Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of It's the Kid Michael Show. I'm your host, Kid Michael, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, George Pacheco. George, I'm exhausted. Yeah, uh, I understand that. <laughs> I don't even, I'm, so like, I started this, epi- like, I didn't, going into this episode, I was like, do I talk about how, like, afraid I am right now because of political stuff? Or do I like leave that out of the episode? I, I don't. I guess it's up to you at this point because I don't even know if we we want to talk about. What What makes you uh, nervous politically? Uh, just this this whole uh, idea that Trump is trying to, you, you know, like uh, use what's the word I'm looking for? Something electors, faithless electors. Uh, like the the soft coup going on. Yeah. I'd love to tell you not to worry about it, but like the. There's definitely something to it. Yeah. But, uh, I I don't know. It's never happened before in in American history. Yeah, it is like watching the unraveling of democracy. But, um, it's crazy because when you think about it, all these laws that we have to, like, rein in politicians don't work if politicians just decide they don't. Like, who's going to stop them? Us? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that should be how it works, but what? No, I totally get what you mean, because a lot of uh, behavior for American politicians isn't codified. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like a tradition thing. And just today, uh, conservatives in the Senate ignored um, tradition, and as lame ducks, meaning as in voted out or like, um, you know, in transition, yeah. Congress, voted in a 33-year-old uh, court judge and um, that dude by the by the bar associations is unqualified to even be a lawyer let alone uh, a national judge Jesus Christ so that's um, breaking tradition because usually no matter what you would respect the fact that an election just happened and you have to let the stones fall where they may mm-hmm. but it seems like a very blatant power grab it almost feels like they know that they won't be in power much longer yeah. Um, whatever that may mean for the Georgia runoff. Yeah, and it's like a lot of these, about the faithless elector thing, a lot of these states have laws against faithless electors, but the laws have no consequence built in. I I wouldn't worry too much about the, um, the faithless elector stuff, because Biden has won 309. Mm-hmm. He, he, would, he would require a huge amount of... Uh, defects for it to be worthwhile for Trump in any way. So I'm actually not that scared. Um, but I am a little scared of like Trump's current like um ring kind of losing their fucking collective minds. You, you see Rudy Giuliani, our former uh-huh. mayor, like melting on television. Yeah, literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. These, these people are, are losing their goddamn minds. So people are like going going absolutely nuts. It is really scary. Uh, let's let's curb it there. I don't feel like talking about that anymore. Okay. Um, what do you watch this week? You watch anything? I watched the first and second How to Train Your Dragons. Uh, I've seen the first one. I wasn't. I mean, it was okay. I thought at the time, but I don't know. What did you think about them? I remember watching the first one in theaters. I'm not. I'm not sure if I was a kid or not. I'm. I'm pretty sure I wasn't. But um. I remember watching the first one in theaters, and I was like, okay, this is all, all right. Mm-hmm. Like a uh, Pixar, Pixar movie, a uh, DreamWorks movie, until you get to that ending. Now, spoiler alert, if you, if you uh, haven't seen the first How to Train Your Dragon, um, he, he loses his leg at the end of the movie. Yeah, There's yeah. consequences. And that's something that, like, um, not a lot of animated movies have, consequences. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes uh, Pixar movies Pixar like a deep level of consequence like um like he loses his leg which is really thematically on point because um toothless loses uh like part of his like uh wing in uh at an attack by hiccup mm-hmm. and hiccup loses part of his leg in a twist of that like uh hiccup uh, toothless is trying to save him and then the second one is even much more intense. Mm-hmm. It's way more intense and beautifully animated. 
Uh, and then I, I kind of fell asleep halfway through the third one. <laughs> so I don't really remember anything about it. But those first two are gold. Those first two are gold. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're not bad. They just I don't know what it is about them that just doesn't interest me that much. Maybe I'll go back to them one day. I don't know. It might be the uh, the DreamWorks art style. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the art style leaves something to be desired until the second movie where the art style is stunning. I don't hate the DreamWorks art style. I think I just, uh, in my head, I, I compute uh, DreamWorks movies to be either bad or funny, but not just straight up good. Oh, uh, also, I implore anybody to go to Netflix and type in How to Train Your Dragon and see how many goddamn shows there are. Oh, my, yeah, I, I know. Six. I counted six. Six fucking How to Train Your Dragon shows. Where, like, are, is it like one of those things where like every season is a different show or? No. 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 That's but cr- like you could tell some like uh some of them some of the shows are about the universe, and some of them are kind of like kitties like they're, it's pink and like blue and like mm-hmm. it's like meant for kids. It, does Universal own DreamWorks? Let's, let's look that up. That's a really good question, actually. Who owns DreamWorks? Uh, Amblin. Who owns Amblin? <laughs> Steven Spielberg. I don't think he owns it himself. Amblin Entertainment. Who owns Amblin Entertainment? <laughs> God, I hate doing this. Amblin Part. Wait. So. Amblin Partners is owned by Amblin Entertainment, which is owned by Amblin Partners? Probably it's a shell company. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Let's just make this easier. Does Universal own DreamWorks? NBC Universal acquired Dream... Okay. That, that's what I want to know. Because The only reason I ask is because now that NBC Universal has its own streaming service, it's probably like punching itself in the face for making all these DreamWorks shows exclusive to Netflix. Because DreamWorks has done a lot on Netflix. Yeah, it has. It's done... A lot of their properties. Did they do... uh, Did they do Voltron? I don't even remember. But like they did Boss Baby. I'm looking at a list in here. There's a Fast and Furious DreamWorks show. Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Um... You know, it's it's funny to see these, uh, like, all these different companies had such long-lasting relationships with ne- uh, Netflix, they're not biting them in the ass, because... Yeah, like yeah. Disney? Remember the Disney deal? Yeah, with you, you mean, like, with, uh, with Defenders and, like, Daredevil and stuff? It was a billion-dollar deal. Yeah. And then Disney's like, let's just make our own shit. Mm-hmm. And it's not horrible. It's not horrible at all. It's just that there's nothing to fucking watch when The Mandalorian is in, like, uh having a new season mm-hmm. well that, that's also just because Netflix is taking forever to well, not Netflix Disney Plus is taking forever to roll out all those shows they have promised there is some good stuff on Disney Plus that's not The Mandalorian if you're into that sort of thing like uh, they have they had a series about the Disney parks that I really liked uh, the Imagineering story mm-hmm. I thought that show was dynamite they have a show about props that I think is really good um but if you're looking for strictly like and I know some people like that high school musical show that they did that's really not my thing but like if you're looking for like shows that are narrative dramas fictional kind of thing then yeah they are super lacking but they have some like documentary-esque stuff on there that's not bad um but nature stuff I, I, I was referring more to their like like the Imagineering story and stuff like that but I don't know they have they must have some good nature stuff because they have uh, National Geographic on there I ever say like Curiosity Stream for more uh... there's just so many streaming services yeah I don't know I I like Disney Plus like I, it's not it feels like it's not a great value yet but some for some reason I'm not ready to give up on it <laughs> Um, but who knows? I could eat my words. Uh, I watched a lot this week. What did you watch? I I finally saw Get Out. You you haven't not seen that movie? Yeah, no, I've never seen Get Out until now. Um, Michael, you're a (laughs) Parthite devil. Oh my god. And I I just, uh, 
God forgive me, but all I could think about watching that movie was like, I don't know if you know this, but Jordan Peele has a white wife. Yes. And all I could think about was like his his in-laws watching that movie for the first time. How they <laughs> just felt. like, uh, Jordan, uh... <laughs> are we the baddies? Are we cool? <laughs> That's such a funny thought to me. Um, how would you, how would he even show that to his in-laws? Just like, look what I made. And they're like, oh, <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, but it was a good movie. I've been thinking about it a lot. Um... At first, I was like, when I saw it, I was like, "This is good," but I don't, I don't really see like because people talking about that movie, there was like, "There's so much stuff you don't notice the first time," and watching it, I was like, "I don't know if that's true," but I have been kind of thinking about some things I didn't notice at first, so I guess it is true. Now, um, it's just at first I didn't know that it was that subtle, but now I'm thinking about it a lot because like, it's not about like racism the clan's racism it's about a a weird breed of racism that glorifies while subjugating black people it's uh liberalism yeah the, like democrat uh version of uh of woke uh-huh where they they want to wear your culture but they won't institutionally help you mm-hmm Kind of like the, like, Nancy Pelosi, like, wearing that, like, weird, like, African scarf thing and uh-huh. kneeling. Oh, my God. But she won't help, like, uh, something that would actually tangibly help the black community, like free health care or uh, reducing college debt, which uh, people of color are, like, a majority holders of that debt. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely, it's kind of like a fake woke type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah, you have the, the actual literal Nazis and KKK out in the South. Mm-hmm. But like those, everybody knows. Everybody of color knows. Don't like go to South and like fucking expect anything else different, you know. Mm-hmm. But like to go somewhere where you should feel safe, but still feel out of place. You ever gone anywhere like wealthy and felt out of place? Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is how the other half lives. Then. Mm-hmm. That that's. I think it's an, an amazing feeling. He was able to really capture a lot of nuance mm-hmm. with um, the metaphor. Uh, the auction stuff was amazing, but I, I personally think he's a one-hit wonder, Jordan Peele. Why you you didn't like us? Have you seen us? No. Um, so there was a, like this really big trend after um after Get Out came out, mm-hmm. where people would like analyze it and like, you know when he's like he picks the cotton from the couch and puts it in his ear. You know what? I missed that because I was wondering like how did he get the cotton in his ear. Oh, you missed it because you're... <laughs> well, like, you know, he saved his life by picking cotton. Oh. Uh. And I was like, like no, I'm sh- I'm 100% sure he actually meant most of the stuff. But it kind of feels like a certain point. Like, he was kind of like... People were finding quote-unquote details. And he was going like, hmm, yes, I did mean to do that. I am a genius. And then uh, his second movie, he just overloaded. It was all just metaphors. It was, oops, all metaphors. Like, uh, <laughs> like, cereal. Um, where none of it made sense because everything was allegorical. Well, I would say let's wait for his third movie to see if he's a one-hit wonder. If we don't count Keanu, the Key and Peele movie. That movie was great. That movie was great. That's his first writing credit, I think. I mean, like, in in the horror field, by the way. So he's only done two so far, and then he's producing... um, the new uh, Candyman, and he's the host of Twilight Zone. But other than that, he's just done two movies. Have you seen the Twilight Zone? No, it's it's because it's on fucking uh, CBS All Access, and that's why I, won't, I can't. I've been fucking looking everywhere for it. I was really excited about that. I love Twilight Zone. Yeah, I love him as a host of Twilight Zone. I really hope I'm wrong about this stuff. By the way, that I'm wrong that he's like a one hit wonder. Mm-hmm. He might have just had an off movie. Maybe he. Uh, I think it feels like a movie that was over edited I also don't know that, that many people agree with you about that movie that it was bad or that it was that it was over... bad or or yeah. just like that the, they had that much negative to say about it I mean I don't know I haven't checked the reviews I can do that right now being in the theaters and just going like what the fuck is going on like, what is this about <laughs> like I understood it I was like oh okay I get it 
but what the fuck is this about? And then, like, I had to go home, and, like, it turns out every little detail in that movie is a metaphor. I implore you to watch it and make up your own mind. Um, so, how long have you... Been... No, I'm kidding. I was going to make a joke, and then I, I felt thought better of it. But, um, yeah, I want to watch, watch Us, and I liked um, Get Out. Uh, I also I've been because my some of my friends have been like streaming movies on Discord. We recently watched uh, rewatched I should say the first two Evil Dead movies. Um, excuse me. Evil Dead Two, if you don't know, is one of my top three movies of all time. But uh, Evil Dead One surprised me this time around rewatching it because I didn't think I loved the first movie as much as I did. Uh, have you seen the Evil Dead movies? Yeah. Yeah. So you know that like. The weird thing about the Evil Dead movies is that um, each movie, each subsequent movie retcons the previous movie. Yeah. So I kind of have the attitude that you could even skip Evil Dead 1 because Evil Dead 2 retcons it and also takes it into another genre, which is horror comedy as opposed to horror. Um, But Evil Dead 1 is like scarier than I remember or like maybe not scary, but... It's it's somewhere between disturbed and scary that feeling where you're just going, Ugh! you know what I mean? You're not so disturbed that you would throw up, and you're not so scared that you can't sleep. But it hits you, and like as like horrible, Evil Dead One is with its budget and its effects and all that. Actually, that's another thing. Not all the effects were as horrible as I remembered too. It's the acting really that's like the worst part of that movie. It's supposed to be like a just cabin horror movie, right? It is the it's cabin horror movie. Well. It's the it it created the genre of cabin in the woods horror movies. That was where it's. That's why that movie kind of feels a little cliche to a lot of people now because it set up the cliches. It set up uh, the fact that like every one of those movies has to have the virgin and the jock and all that stuff. Um, you know, it has like it doesn't really do the split up thing. Now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, actually, no, no, it does. It, they do split up in that movie. Um, yeah, it, it kind of it sets the groundwork for all that stuff. Um, and I really liked it more than I thought I would. And then on the other side, Evil Dead 2, which is still one of my top three movies, um, has parts that you have to kind of get through to get to the good stuff. Like, some, like, for, like, like I said, each movie... Each subsequent movie retcons the previous movie, and the reason that is is because every time they made another Evil Dead, they had lost the rights to the previous film, so they were like, fuck, we gotta recap everything that happened. So the first five minutes of Evil Dead 2 was a recap of Evil Dead 1, and it's it's like watching Evil Dead 1 in five minutes. It's jarring. And it's, and it's like not a fun watch. Um, and it's also just worse Evil Dead 1. So... When Evil Dead 2 becomes its own movie, like when it, like his first five minutes is recapping the night, his girlfriend dies, he has to bury her. And then once it gets to the next night where uh, um, the the second group of people show up to the cabin, um, Ash cuts off his arm, all that stuff. Spoilers, but like it's, it's an old ass movie. I don't care. Um, that's when that movie really becomes its own movie and becomes cool. But the, the you have to get through some dumb stuff. I uh, you remember the remake they made for? Evil I've never Dead? seen it. We're probably gonna end up watching that because I, I'm sure tonight we'll end up watching Army of Darkness, and then eventually we'll watch the remake. I watched the show, but I never watched the remake. I I think you'd be pleasantly surprised, but also kind of disappointed. I've heard the remake is pretty good. That it, it, it takes, like... Like, it, it, it tips its hat to the original movies, but it's still its own movie. It's, like, it's it's easier to do a remake of something like Evil Dead than other classic horror in, this, in the aspect of that, like, Evil... You can't not concede the fact that Evil Dead is not the film that it wanted to be fully realized because it was, like, basically a student film on no budget. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was literally a student film, but it was, like, it, that's what it, like, felt like. So it's one of those horror movies that it's like, all right, we can remake this to make it better. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd have high hopes for that movie. I've heard it's like really disturbing though, compared to the original. 
It's because it, it could pull off the, the effects and things that uh, the original wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Like the, the basement zombie. Yeah. Is really creepy, actually, in, in the... Uh... They're called Deadites, George. No. Um, yeah, the basement zombie. Yeah. And I, I think it's scary in the original, too. It's just like... I don't know what it is, because I think if you watched that, that original Evil Dead, you would... It's not even that the effects don't work so much, it's just that they don't go that far. There's some there are some scenes in that first movie that like for example uh people forget that there's like a whole rape scene in Evil Dead with the with the tr with the evil tree. Uh yeah. that's pretty intense to watch. Also it, it uh, there's a scene where one of the deadites stabs a girl in like the ankle with a pencil. And anything with ankles for me in a horror movie is like so, so fucked. You know what I mean? I, I hope you know how ridiculously specific that is. You no, I it's I think it's a but I think it's a um, a natural like reaction to that kind of thing because that's a really horrific injury, is to get your tendon torn. It is actually, and you you kind of sense that even if you've never in injured yourself that way. I think instinctually we sense that that's like ooh that's a no no spot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is a dumb way to put it, but you know what I mean. Uh, like the like the human mind can see an injury and know that that's the worst kind of injury to have. Like, uh, what's the movie? Um, have you ever seen the original Pet Cemetery? Yeah, yeah, actually, I, the one with the the, the movie, right? Mm -hmm. The original movie. Okay. I really like that movie. I will say this is kind of a, a side tangent, but that movie is really good, and people would remember it more fondly if it if the. It, it ends on a, like, it has a good ending, but then it immediately cuts to the credits, and the credits have this really stupid, corny music. Like, kind of a pop it, pop music kind of thing. And I think it makes the entire movie, in, in retrospect, seem cornier than it was. That's, like, a personal thing. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me. But anyway, there's a scene in that movie where, like, the, the little boy is, like, hiding from the old man. Um... And he's like under the bed or something. And he slices his ankles, his the tendons, and that—that's like, for me, ugh, ugh. Blades in general are hard to look at in horror movies. Maybe that is just me. I don't know. Do you? Do you, are you also kind of squeamish with blade I mean, stuff? I I I get what your uh, blade stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to be a surgeon, right? Oh, oh well, yeah. I guess then you're not. I'm gonna you're, be you're some guy. you're some soulless monster who's gonna save a lot no but um yeah, yeah. but I, that's just one of my weaknesses in horror movies is um blades there's also like in I can't remember if it's psycho two or three where in the later psycho movies um what's the guy's name Norman Bates kind of has this kind of werewolf complex. Where he can sense himself trying to like become a, a murderer again and go into his mom's identity, and he's like trying to stop it. And there's like a scene <laughs> where he knows he's gonna he, he he has the urge to kill someone, so he puts his like his knife in his hand, closes it, and then like bangs on his hand down. It's like cut all his fingers. Jesus. Yeah, and that that's like that kind of stuff fucks with me. Uh. But yeah, the, I, I watched the two Evil Dead movies. So I watched a lot of horror this week. I also watched a Mexican movie that is technically not a horror movie. Like, if you look it up online, it, they don't classify it as that. But it's it felt like a Mexican Twilight Zone type thing. It was really good. It was called Exterminating Angel. You ever heard of it? No. Uh, I think it's The Exterminating Angel, actually. But it's... Uh, I think, let me look up the year. The Exterminating Angel. It's 1962. It's a Criterion movie. Uh, so you know it's good. Um, but it's this movie where, like, these uh, these kind of rich, whiter people in Mexico um, are in this mansion having a party one night. And it's time, you know, for people to start leaving. It's getting late. And for some reason, no one's leaving. They all just pass out in this one room. Like, they just can't get... those. like, oh, I'll leave tomorrow kind of thing. Which is, like... They, they all kind of understand, that, like, this is a weird thing that they're doing. And, like, it's impolite, but they can't stop themselves. And the next day, they wake up and they realize they can't leave the room. In the sense, of, like, there's a door that is clearly, like, allows them to escape. But none of them can make themselves leave. 
So like, um, for example, they send one guy to get um, more sugar for the coffee, and he goes to get the sugar. He go, he goes to get the sugar. He gets to the doorway, and he's like. Uh, let me take care of this first. He does something else. And they're realizing that they can't force themselves to leave the room. Um, and it was really good, I thought. Like, it was, uh, and then also outside, one thing is they're like, why is no one coming to help us? But it's like outside the mansion, they all know that they're stuck in there, but the cops can't make themselves go in. Make it make it make sense, Mike. What do you mean? Make sense. Why? Why what? Why are they? Why can't they go in? Yeah. Well, there's there's no logical reason. That's why the movie is what it is. This looks really. Familiar. You ever see Midnight in Paris? No. Uh. I've never seen anything. Uh, what's his name? The, the bad guy who made that movie. Yeah. Uh, fucking. Woody Allen. That's not that's not like entirely a morality thing. That's just I've never happened to see any of it. But uh, it reminds you of that. It, in it, um, no, not the movie itself, but in it, uh, like the the gimmick is that he he time traveled to the past uh-huh. to, to meet all these great writers, uh-huh. and he gives them uh, like in passing he tells them that idea that that guy is going to direct a movie like that, and he's like, I don't get it. Why can't they leave the room? And he just kind of shrugs it off and goes like, it doesn't make sense. Why can't they leave the room? I wonder if that, that's the movie we're talking about. See, the exterminating angel. Is it a Mexican or Spanish? Mexican. Or Spanish. Okay. Maybe he's Mexican. Uh. I think it is what they were referencing. It says Midnight in Paris. This is... The Millbury campus, Middlebury campus, um, Midnight in Paris has a film buff in joke near the end. After a bar room chat with Salvador Dali, time traveler Gil Pender gets up to leave the door. At the door, Gil notices a young man, Luis Berniel, the Spanish surrealist filmmaker. Gil suggests to Berniel an idea for a movie. A group of people attend a formal, a very formal dinner party, and at the end, they try to leave the room. They can't. Thus unravels the plot of Exterminating Angel. Buñuel's night. Oh, it's, I, it's filmed in Mexico, and the actors are Mexican. But maybe the 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 director was Spanish. Anyway, uh, Buñuel's 1962 existential thriller. And boy, oh boy, does it seem a little too familiar. I don't know where this oh. article is going, but yeah, that was the movie yeah, they're referencing. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I, I did know about it. Mm-hmm. That's funny, and he just doesn't understand his own movie. Yeah, no, I love that little bit in it because I didn't, I don't know I never watched the movie, but I was like, that sounds weird. It reminds me of uh, Twelve Angry Men. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie too, Twelve Angry Men. That is a good movie. Except they have a literal reason not to be able to leave that room. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's all the movie talk I have right now. Why don't we take a break, and then we'll get into some of my other notes for this week. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And we're back. Uh, George, I promised you I had a good story to tell you this week, and I'm going to fucking deliver on that promise. Um, I am not going to name names, but I have a professor for a specific class that um, my friends and I were convinced that this uh, professor had just been broken up with before class started. Um, and kind of just like did not have a plan for the class. And it just kind of unraveled in a really sad but hysterical way. So what happened was, uh, we start the class and he's like, uh, this guy sounds like Jerry Seinfeld, which makes this a million times funnier. He's like, hey guys, uh, what's going on with you? Why don't you guys tell me what's up with you? Everyone go around in the class, we go in alphabetical order, and you tell me what's going on. So we each tell him what's going on in our lives, I guess. And then like after an hour, he's like, all right, why don't we take a break and we'll come back and we'll do more class. So already I'm like, you did not have a plan for this class because we just spent an hour like sharing our own stories. Uh, anyway, we take a, like a 10 minute break. We come back and he goes, uh, all right. 
uh, let me, uh, answer me this. He opens his slides and the first slide says, and he repeats, he goes, why is life so difficult? And we're like, for a minute, we all kind of just like paused. We didn't know what the fuck was going on. And then like some of us started answering the question existentially because I guess in some way it could pertain to our writing. Um, so he's like, why is life so difficult? We're answering the question. He goes, but why can't we just like, uh, why can't we talk about things? You know, when things bother us, why can't we talk through them? <laughs> um, and at this point, this is when I messaged a friend and made the hypothesis. Like, did someone just break up with this guy before class? Uh, but where it, it then got really specific. He says at one point, why can't we admit when we're not attracted to each other anymore? Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's when I was like, oh my god, who hurt this guy? <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he went from there to he started talking about daddy issues. Um, and like childhood trauma and how to repress our feelings. He talked about that, like, how do we repress our feelings? You know, like, what, what's, what's the way to do that? And uh, the conversation devolved into Freud from there. Um, he talked a lot about Freud. But the peak of the conversation was that one uncomfortably specific comment about, like, why can't we tell each other when we're not attracted to each other anymore? Poor guy. Yeah. But, like, poor guy, but also we were, like, visibly laughing and crying in this guy's face. <laughs> um, and at one point... He saw me smiling and he was like, Michael, you're smiling. Uh, do you do you know a reason, uh, you know, a cause of childhood trauma and um, intimacy issues? And I opened my mouth not knowing what the fuck I'm going to say because I'm like, I don't even like I ended up saying just like, dude, I don't know. I don't. This is out of my jurisdiction. But I opened my mouth and someone else like so eagerly pipes in and says, molestation. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, you could have been molested, you know. <laughs> is this what film school is? Uh, not usually. It's not that weird. Um, but that that class was just so deeply uncomfortable. And uh, that and this we, we watched Get Out for that class. We almost didn't talk about it. <laughs> Oh, you watched Get Out because of him. Yeah. Hmm. And then we almost didn't watch, like, we didn't even, we almost didn't talk about the movie until someone was like, can we please talk about Get Out? But, like, yeah, poor guy. Uh, seems like he was hurt very deeply this week. Um... I feel really uncomfortable. Like, I would have felt really uncomfortable. Dude, it was so uncomfortable. To see, like, a professor, like, bring that kind of shit up. Like, because at first, you think, all right, this is a story about narrative structure, right? So, I mean, this is a class about narrative structure. So this sort, like, so this line of thinking, like, why is life so difficult can pertain to that. Uh, but it slowly devolved into something deeply personal. <laughs> Which was when I was like, is this, is this really, like, a planned lesson? Man, imagine getting dubbed and walking off the stage. Say again? Getting dumped and just going onto like, onto stage, you know. Oh just yeah. Going there. Oh boy, that's like a. Uh, I want to send you this video now. Wait, no, I did send you this video of the guy talking about how he's getting back into the 2K community. Oh yeah. And he's like, I just got broken up with, bro. I, oh my god, yeah. Why? That that the video is so good. And no one's seen it. Uh, this video, for those of you who don't know, is like this guy is crying and he goes, "Hey guys." Um, I, uh, sorry, I'm crying, but I'm getting back to the 2K community. Uh, I'm gonna stop playing the games again. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm crying. This girl broke my heart, and it's not okay, bro. And he's like, but "Yeah, we're gonna start streaming again. Uh, we're gonna go hard. I'm going back to 2K." And the video just ends with this guy like sobbing. But he's getting back into the 2K community, so thank God for that. Oh, what's the name of the video? Just so I can tell people to go watch it. Uh, let me check our person. Yeah, it's called I'm back in the 2k community crying video I could probably just play that on air, right? Like it's not copyrighted No, but I don't think it would work <laughs> All right. Yeah, 
But that's that's a good ass video. Um. Anyway, that was my story about this this guy fucking devolving during class. Um, there's a few uh, on a personal note. Um, I wanted to say uh, Gamera had an adventure this week. Um, she hadn't been. This is your turtle, right? This is my tortoise. Yeah, Gamera. Tortoise. Yeah, I'm not correcting you. I'm just anyway. Um, Gamera was was not eating for uh, very much this past week, um, and I was really worried about her. So I joined a tortoise forum, um, and I posted a video of Gamera, and I was like, "Any idea why she's doing this?" And people pretty much universally said uh, she needs her beak trimmed. Um, and I didn't even know that was a thing. She's eight years old and she's never had it done. So, um, I did not know that, that that tortoises really needed to have their beaks trimmed. And when I looked up how to do it, because some people told me to do it myself, and I looked up how to do it, and you're supposed to take a Dremel, you know, like a power tool. Yeah. To your animal's face and like shred their beak. And I'm like, I'm not fucking doing that. That's horrifying. First of all, she moves constantly. I'm going to like kill her if I do that. So I was like distraught about this, but I, I, I found a vet who would do it. I took her yesterday to get her toenails and her beak trimmed. Um, and she is kind of eating now. I think uh, my, the conclusion I've come to is that part of the reason she's not eating as often right now is because she knows it's winter. And tortoises, uh, they don't hibernate, but they do something similar to it. I don't know the word for it, but it's like they sleep basically for winter. So she's very like low energy right now because she can tell that. You put her in the fridge? No, I don't. I know that. The, That's a normal thing, right? Normal, like you can choose to do that, but because some people think it's more natural to let your tortoise hibernate. But it's also dangerous, um, that I, from what I've heard, that like it, you have to very carefully wake them up from hibernation, otherwise it, they could die in the process. Uh, so I'd rather just not have her do it, because I don't want to like, and it's just there's something so unnerving about putting a living creature in the fridge. In the fridge, yeah. I don't have. That's why I asked. I I felt weird about it. I can't do that. Uh, yeah. So I don't hibernate, Gamera. But uh, she's eating a little more now. She, like, ate her... Like, like, she didn't eat yesterday, but then I woke up this morning and put her lights on, and then all her food was gone. So I guess at night she got hungry. Um, but also, just some notes from what the what the vet said. He called me, like, when he was finishing up and said, uh, your tortoise was very... What was the word he used? Um, uncooperative. I was like, what the fuck do you want me to do? It's a tortoise. I don't like... He was upset that she wouldn't keep her head out. And he had to hold it. And I was like, it's it, it's a, like, it's practically a wild animal. You can't expect her to, like, want you to do that. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I can't help you there. And when he came out, he said to me, this is, like, the heaviest tortoise I've ever seen in my life. Uh, which I thought was funny. But he also said it wasn't, like, a, a medical thing. Like, she wasn't, like, over overweight. It was just that, normally speaking, tortoises don't aren't the correct weight normally, I guess, from what he's seen. Like, they're usually too skinny. And he was like, this, but this tortoise is fucking fat as shit. Oh. So... That's me. What? I'm, I'm rooting for a tortoise. I think I... Yeah, she's... I think she's beautiful no matter what. Yeah, she is. She's doing okay. <laughs> um... So, yeah, he told... She was fat and uncooperative. He was very... Not very flattering of her. Uh, but she's okay now, and she's home, and right now she is sleeping. I had to check real quick, because I have her in the room where I record. She's sleeping, and, uh, yeah, other than that, he said I have to start putting calcium powder in her lettuce, which I used to do, like, I used to try it, but I stopped because, um, she, she could smell it, I guess, and so what she would do is she would smell the lettuce, know that there was the powder in it, and then she would rip it up and shit on it. My God. Yeah. She's a very vengeful tortoise. She's kind of a bitch. I mean, I think I've said that before, but, um, but she's my, my tortoise. So I let her be a bitch. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to have to start putting calcium powder in her food. He said I can do things like rub strawberries on leafy greens so that she thinks she's about to eat strawberries. 
and will be more enthusiastic about it. Which is it? Want to just uh, want to just open her mouth up and just pour in a bunch of calcium powder? Have you ever tried to do that to a tortoise? I mean, I've done it. I've done worse to a dog. Yeah, but a dog can't fucking put its head in its body. Well, a turtle can't bite you. No, but I. It, she's fast. I can't. It, it, I can't what? reach out to her neck fast enough to stop her from going uh, into her shell. She retreats pretty quickly. Yeah. Hmm, maybe you could dilute it in the water. No, I don't know. I just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do what he said with the strawberries, and then also I'm gonna get her another cuddle bone. Have you ever had birds? No. Oh. All right, but so you you wouldn't know what a cuddle bone is, but it's I think it's like just a bone from a cuttlefish that like birds and tortoises both chew on for calcium. It's weird that they like who uh, the fuck found out that a bird would want to chew on a cuddle bone? No, actually, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of herbivores are natural uh opportunistic carnivores. Mm. Which means that given the chance, they'll eat some meat and chew on some bones because that's a really good way to get like some really rare minerals. Yeah, but like a cuttlefish and a bird are like so far removed from each other, like from where they live and everything. It's probably just fish bones in general. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that was my news for Gamera. What's going on with you, George? Uh, I'm not doing much. I'm just kind of like uh, doing what I gotta do, playing with friends. Uh-huh. I, I like you got on our Discord yesterday. And yeah, it was really nice. I try. I, I try not to like. Like it was hard because, like I said, like I have to save some of my talking points for today. Uh huh. So it was like I didn't have much to talk about, but it was fun. I would go. I would go on again. Um. You hear about? Uh, excuse me. This Godfather Part Three uh, re-edit. No, but I love re-edits. So this is an official thing. Like the what's the guy that made the Godfather? Is it Francis Ford Coppola? Is that the right name? Look, I, I think it's an achievement to. Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola is re is releasing a re-edited version of the of the Godfather Part Three. Um, to what he says will be like an actual like, like what he wanted the movie to be in the first place. It's, it's going to have a new title. It's called. Let's go to IndieWire for this article just so I can double check what I'm talking about. Um, it will be called Coda, the death of Michael Corleone. And he says in musical terms, a coda is sort of like an epilogue, a summing up, and that's what we intended the movie to be. You'll see a film which has a different beginning and ending. Many scenes throughout have been repositioned and the picture has been given, I think, a new life. So I thought that was super cool because, um, so many people seem to hate the Godfather part three. Um, what? You you can't blame them. I don't know. I've never seen it, so I can't I can't say other way. I've heard that behind the scenes, like it kind of got fucked over. I think the Godfather movies are probably some of the most fascinating. It's one of those movies that's actually more interesting about behind the scenes stuff than really mm-hmm. the movie itself. You know, it was basically written by the mob. I didn't know that. You know the guy who... But was, like, I, I suspected. Think... I, 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 that's the thing about mob entertainment, mob movies and stuff, is that I'm always like, how involved is the actual mob in this? <laughs> There's a guy who asked for a favor in the movie. Uh-huh. And he's practicing his line outside because he's so nervous to, have, to meet uh, a great actor that he, he's constantly practicing his line. And the director liked that so much that he kept that in the movie, him practicing his lines over and over again. Mm-hmm. Because it makes means he's nervous to meet the the Don, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh right, yeah, I remember that. And that's uh, the the I guy that's like, "May your first child be a masculine child." That one, right? Yeah, and that's his, uh That's an actual mobster. Jesus. So they they got to write their own propaganda, basically. It's weird that we let them get away with that. Maybe I shouldn't say that on air, but like, it's it's weird that. Um... I mean, no, the mobs fucking gone dude they're not, they're not really a problem anymore so you you think it's like look if they're they've been scaled back tremendously mm-hmm. uh and they probably have bigger things to worry about than just some kids podcasts yeah oh no i was i, I don't legitimately think they're gonna come after us and just call us a kids podcast no some you know how you called like 22 year old kids like, yeah people call me kid well i mean my name is kid michael Legal first name. Legal first name, kid. Middle name, Michael. Um, 
but uh yeah i think that's going to be an interesting movie to look out for it's like it's like kind of like the the uh, cinephiles snyder cut Ooh, are you excited for that, by the way? I was, uh, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, it's losing steam for me. I think they're overhyping it. You gotta get this fucking thing out, dude. Yeah, and like the more I hear about it, like recently I think he said he wanted to make it black and white. And I was like, you're fucking overdoing it, man. Just That's clearly not what your original intention was because no way DC was ever going to let you do that. Uh like just just give us your edit of the movie oh and then did you see uh the new the cgi render for uh steppenwolf no look up steppenwolf snyder cut so uh because they they like made a new 3d model for what Zack snyder wanted steppenwolf to look like and i can't decide if it looks okay or horrible Oh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> That's odd. Yeah, I don't... It's not that aesthetically pleasing. Uh, I don't know. It, it looks... Some, the CGI somehow looks worse than the, the bad CGI from the movie. So they're redoing all the CGI, right? Not, I don't know if they're doing, are you doing all of it, but they're doing... Not all of it, but like they're... Some character design, yeah. Because, like, some of these movies, like, uh, heavily CGI movies, uh, before they're edited, um, they don't, like, do the CGI for it when it gets, uh, when it hits the cutting room floor. Because uh-huh. CGI is expensive. So yeah, it's post production. You, you cut the movie and then you, you add the CGI. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, yeah. So a lot of people are scared of this. Like, even if they release the cut, you're just going to be seeing, like, uh, a lot of CGI screens because you're not going to be able to afford to, like, do brand new CGI they are getting a pretty big budget for this re-release so I don't, I don't think there's gonna be any like like uh, unedited scenes in this thing I, I think we're just getting the best case scenario too I think we should be happy about that mm-hmm. it's gonna be easily just been like on the back of the, of the Blu-ray edition that's it well I, I hope it's really good uh, but Maybe I don't it's bad what Maybe if it's also bad we're like, I oh, that's kind of what I'm time. Yeah, and it's a it's not you know they're releasing it as like four episodes, four hour long episodes. It's gonna be a mini series. Um, and it's like I hope you know what you're doing. I hope it's not black and white first of all. Um, and I hope I know I hope you know what you're doing. And they apparently there barely any of uh, Zack Snyder's footage was used in the actual movie Justice League. Uh, so there very well be might be like an entire movie that we just don't know what it is. I kind of find it hard to believe though that they, they keep saying like none of his footage was used in the final thing, but like then you watch the trailer for the Snyder cut, and none of it really seems new. There's a few stuff in there, but yeah, it seems like the same movie, just extra scenes. Uh-huh. And uh, statistically, like not statistically, but like it's it, it, <laughs> shut up. But like it's clearly can't be the same movie because it's four hours long. So there has to be at least two hours of new footage. Of new There's a lot of new stuff, I imagine. Yeah. Who did they bring in? Uh, to replace him? Yeah. Joss Whedon, the guy that directed the Avengers. Oh, man. Joss Whedon's garbage, dude. He kind of is. I like the Avengers, but uh, event the second Avengers proved that he wasn't... That that, that, that that was just kind of like a spark of good movie from him. And that he couldn't really replicate it. Also, and he's also uh, apparently a garbage human being. Yeah, I heard he's a garbage human being too. He's like one he's of those guys that like is like a kid from uh, Stand by Me. Say again. He's a skinny kid, like a writer kid from Stand by Me. Uh, I've never seen that movie. Um, but he, I've also heard that he's kind of like he he uses feminism in a predatory way. Like he like you know what I mean? Like he's like he's trying to get on women's good side type thing. Oh. Like, he's a very creepy guy, I've heard, in real life. I mean, he added that scene in the... Have you seen Justice League? Yeah, I, I did see. You remember there's, like, a scene where, like, the Flash lands on top of Wonder Woman's chest and then does something at super speed and then gets up, like, like ooh, I hope no one noticed. I don't remember that. I didn't... Well, he he added that scene, and Gal Gadot was like, "I don't want to do that." So he's just like, "All right, someone bring in a Wonder Woman double." 
and then film that scene. And he has a lot of that scene has showed like the scene of like a woman, f- ch- a woman's chest falling onto someone else has happened in a bunch of his movies. He's just weird. I don't know. I don't like He's the guy. Hack. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, uh, Zack Snyder's version is good. And it's, it's like, it's so fucked the way they took that movie away from Zack Snyder because like they used his, you know why he left, right? Yeah. Somebody in his family died. His, his daughter killed herself. Brutal. And they used that as an opportunity to destroy his version of the film. And that's just like, what the fuck? You know, um, and it's also just even if this movie is bad, the fact that it's releasing is a victory for the creatives out there. You know what I mean? That like studios can't just destroy your movie like that. Um, I think that's uh, like a lot of people are like, it's just going to suck anyway. Why are we releasing it? It's like, well, it, it goes beyond whether or not the movie is good, I think. I think studios are so dumb, dude. Like they... In the second that they release a movie and it doesn't immediately do a billion dollars at the box office, they're like, "Well, I guess we're never doing that again." Yeah, and it's because they, they it's because they think every movie has to be like cost a trillion dollars. Like, like it's nerf or nothing for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's a shame. You know, Warner Brothers for a while was. Um, mandating all their movies be like an hour and 30 minutes so that they could get as many showings into theaters as possible. Oh yeah, no, I'm aw- I'm aware of that. I'm I'm very much deadly aware yeah. of uh... <laughs> They also I don't even I don't know if they went through with this, but Warner Brothers was talking about how they were going to employ a new system where an algorithm picked their scripts. Like people would pitch movies to them and the algorithm would pick which one was good. That's so sad. It is, yeah. Let me see if I can find an article on that. Warner Rose. It's probably not even, like they want to say it's an algorithm. It's probably just keyword searching thing. Yeah. Where they're like, how many hot guys are in this? How many hot girls are in this? How many explosions are in this? All right, this is TheVerge.com. Uh, Warner Brothers signs AI startup that claims to predict future film success. Uh, storied film company Warner Brothers has signed a deal with Cinelytic, uh, an L.A. startup that uses machine learning to predict film success. A story from The Hollywood Reporter claims that Warner Brothers used Cinel, whatever it's called, quote, to guide decision making at the green light stage. But a source told the studio uh, at the studio told The Verge that the software would only be used to help with marketing and distribution decisions made by Warner Brothers International. Alright, so it's a little disputed on why they're using it, but like, still, that's fucking weird. And they're obviously lying, too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't see, a like, how that would... No fucking algorithm can predict the success of a movie. I don't care what you're talking about, like... Or, like, um, it would also just completely destroy the chances of cult classics being made. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds very... almost evil. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but it's like... It's certainly scummy. Let's see. An- Andrea Scarzo, a film investor of Cinella customer, told The Verge that the startup software hadn't ever changed his mind, but, quote, opens up a conversation about different approaches. You can see how sometimes just one or two different elements around the same project could have a massive impact on the commercial performance. God, it's like these are supposed to be... Films are human expression. You can't, like... You can't make it completely a machine. That's what happens when an art form costs like a lot to make. You end up just making whatever rich people want to see. Mm-hmm. You can see the same thing in oil painting, in oil art. Uh, um, you you only saw paintings of rich, boring-looking people because they're the ones that had the money to commission that. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that a lot, where um, the art form is following the. Uh, the art form is following the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's. It, I think it's a little unfair to say that's bullshit because the, there is no film without money. Like, it has to yeah. be a business at the end of the day. It has to be a business, but it shouldn't be. Do you know what George Lucas said that uh, he feels like he's more free to make movies in the, so- the old Soviet Union than in America? 
And in the interview guy, I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, as long as you don't make a movie that's, like, directly calling the government shit, uh, you can make you can make anything because it doesn't have to succeed financially. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing when I, when I make a movie. I have to be like, is this going to bomb in the box office? Because then, like, I, it's a whole fucking ordeal to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But in the USSR, you, you just get a bud, you get the budget, you make the movie, and then boom, it's just in the. the yeah, because it's like a state-run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did we talk about that quote from George Lucas about how he's making secret movies that he that people don't want to see that he will never show the public? Now that he's retired. Yeah. And how like he's got to be like killing homeless people or some shit. Oh like, yeah, no, he's <laughs> definitely got like a, a, that whole Soviet Union thing. And, he's making uh, snuff. Yeah, he's making. He's making. He's definitely making stuff. Uh, I said snuff, like snuff no, film. I heard you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, have you ever seen a snuff film? Uh, you ever heard of um, Green Inferno? Is it Green Inferno or is it something? You told me about a movie called Cannibal Holocaust or something that was supposed Cannibal to. Cannibal Holocaust. There's no um. There's no actually dead humans in that. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it's, it's, it reads like a snuff film, you told me. They de-shell a turtle in it. like an Oh, oh, God. Why did, oh, why me, of all people, would you tell that to? I, I don't want you to watch this yeah. movie and then go see that. Um, but they... I told you about that, right? How they you, told had, me, to... you told me about how Cannibal Holocaust was made to look like a snuff film. But you've never seen a real snuff film, I guess is my question. Probably not. It's not really the era of snuff films anymore. That was like kind of an era before the internet where you could ha- you could burn a disc and spread it around at a party and be that fucked up person. Because that's how they spread, right? Yeah, VHS and, and just like any any burnable. Mm-hmm. But now we just li- we're in the era of life leak. What do you mean? There's like people still want to watch people die. So you could go on a place called Live Leak, which doesn't have like content policies maybe don't plug it but okay continue no no (laughs) this is like this um and you can watch like ISIS beheadings and stuff Uh, yeah this what crazy right yeah it is fucking crazy uh it's crazy that there's even an audience for that but I guess I shouldn't be surprised um I don't know so maybe it is naive to think that that kind of audience has died out for the snuff oh, no, film. totally, 100% naive. Just because they're, you're not putting it on VHS anymore doesn't mean it's people aren't watching people die. Yeah. Dark topic. Yeah, it is a dark topic. Um, damn, I, I don't have any more what notes. I'm like, that? fuck, we're gonna, oh, uh, The Mandalorian. Have you been watching that? No, I gotta watch it. I gotta it's been pretty it. good this season. Uh, the Mandalorian has been pretty good this season. I've been watching that. And I've also been watching season two of his Dark Materials. Uh-huh. Did you watch yeah. season one? Dark Materials? No. Do you know of it? No, I don't actually. It's the TV version of The Golden Compass on HBO Max. On oh. HBO. Okay. Yeah. And it, it like the, the thing about... Did you ever watch the movie The Golden Compass? No. Actually, I did, but I don't remember any of it. The weird thing about the movie was, like, it ended right before the book's ending, so the most important twist was never in the movie. So, the movie, I will say this, the movie does action way better than the show. The show has garbage action scenes, which is very dis- disappointing, because, like, there was a scene in season one where this, where the, the polar bear is supposed to fight this other polar bear, and they just made it really shit. Whereas in the, the movie, it was a really good fight scene. But, like, other than the fights, it's a really good show. Uh, and season two is off to a really good start. And season one was really good. It's just really good all around. Do you know, like, the premise? Do you remember the premise of it or, like... No, I don't remember the premise. So, it's, like... Uh, it's this very anti-Catholicism... Uh, story. That actually, I, when the movie came out, I remember the church was, like, denouncing it and stuff. The idea is that in this, this alternate world, there's this thing called the Magisterium, which is, like, a religious which is basically the Vatican that controls everything in the world. And this guy who is a scholar discovers evidence of alternate realities where like he thinks that there is more than one world. And if there's more than one world, then there are worlds that the mag- that the magisterium doesn't control, uh, which is kind of like, uh, kind of atheism. I guess it's kind of like, uh, 
him basically saying that there is no God. Um, or at the very least, whatever answer there is out there is, is higher than what the magisterium claims to like know. And, uh, so the, the, the movie is basically like this fantasy world in which the magisterium, the magisterium is trying to suppress the discovery of alternate worlds. And uh, the reason the movie is called The Golden Compass is that because in the first book, there's an item called the alethiometer that is a golden compass that um, this little little girl, the protagonist, uses. And the idea is that it always tells the truth. So if you can control it and you can read it, you can ask it anything and it has to answer truthfully, which is like a, a, strength, a really strong weapon against something like the magisterium that is built on disinformation. You ever notice a lot of people who are Catholics really hate Catholicism? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the, um, what's the way to, like the self-hating Jew trope in comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, those, those poor Jews really, they really get it bad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a good show. I think you should check it out. I haven't okay. finished fucking Lovecraft Country. I don't know if I'm going to get back to that anytime soon. I started watching Walking Dead where I left off just because my stepdad wants to finish it. Um, uh, I don't know about Walking Dead. Yeah, it's not great, but, you know, it's it's watchable. At least where, where I'm watching. I'm still watching, like, a few seasons behind, and it's still watchable. Um, but I think it's going to do it for us. We're, we're at the 30-minute mark. Okay. Uh, next week, we'll probably have a guest... But uh, anyway, thanks for watching. This has been It's the Kid Michael Show. I'm your host, Kid Michael. As always, my co-host has been George Pacheco. You can follow the show on Instagram at It's Kid Michael or Twitter at It's Kid Michael. Um, our episode, has, our theme song was written and performed by Matthew Rosenthal, and our episode was edited by Aristides Pernagas. Thanks, everybody.